count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. It's time for another episode of the Wooten and Why Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wooten Y Show. I am Josh Y, and for the fourth consecutive week, I'm joined on the line by my buddy RJ Choa. He's the host of Ocho Live. He's also an insider for ESPN San Antonio, a writer for Blogging the Boys, and as I always say, an all-round good dude. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us uh, yet again. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure having you this past month. It's been a good month. Uh, I think we need to, to rename it. I know that it yeah. sort of rippled into uh, November, but uh, I'm I'm not opposed to renaming this stretch of time. Yeah, we could uh, we could also uh, maybe change the show name just for the next uh, few weeks. So maybe the Ochoa and Y show just uh, as a Christmas gift to yourself. I uh, I'm a fan of that. I mean, I, I'm <laughs> I'm not definitely uh, you know we'll we'll, we'll drop the paperwork and uh, I think uh, I think it'll be great. There may be lawyers involved, um, you know, barring a, a, a fight back from Woot um, as the playoffs approach. So hopefully he'll be back in a couple of weeks for the playoffs, but uh, we'll wait and see. But week 15 is in the books. A couple of weeks left to play. Um, some intriguing wildcard races in both conferences and several teams still in the mix and a few divisions that are still razor tight, and we'll get to all of that. Uh, iTunes reviews. You've got uh, 11 days to leave us an iTunes review to go in the draw to win signed merchandise. So if you give us a, a, a review on iTunes, uh, five-star review, preferable, please. Um, it just helps us get our name out there. And uh, any review dated in 2017 will go in a draw uh, to win some signed merchandise. Also got to mention the Lunar Bowl, uh, that we are hosting the Sailgate Cruise for the Lunar Bowl this year after the success of Lunar Bowl 1. So please check out Lunar Bowl 2. Just Google Lunar Bowl 2 or go to lunarparkvenues.com and check all of that out. And then the Wooten Y Fantasy Leagues that we ran this year. Finals week is approaching. Uh, we're in four leagues. We managed to make the final in one of them. Um, that's a pretty good strike rate. Um, we made the finals in all four, but the grand final in one. But before we move to anything, RJ, like we always do, what's your favorite thing from week 15? You know, I tell you what, there are a lot of things um, that were interesting. I was going to say the Cam Newton, um, you know, oh, you watch film? That's cool. Watch this. That was amazing. That blew my mind. Um, and, I, and in the moment, I was thinking, all right, that's what I'm going to pick this week with why. But then I was in Oakland and I saw an index card used to measure first down and <laughs> I have to go with that. I was That was just incredible. How how was that game? In you, know, you were at the stadium. Um, how was Oakland compared to some of the other stadiums that you've been to with your dad? Uh, you do one road trip a year. Is that correct? That is correct. We've been now to um, well, we've been to AT and T Stadium a, a few times. Um, we've yep. been to Soldier Field, Lambeau Field, Heinz Field, and uh, now the Coliseum in Oakland. And I'll say that the it's understandable why the Raiders uh, want to leave this place. Uh, <laughs> is the kindest way I can I can put it, Fair but. Enough. 
it was in the the environment, the black hole, the fans really truly are something special. And for the game to be what it was, and and for those sort of critical moments to be as dramatic as they were on Sunday Night Football, it was uh, you know it was the third best game I've ever seen in person. The second was that Cowboys Steelers game um, last year, obviously, and the first uh, you know uh, unfortunately for UI was Super Bowl Fifty One. Hmm. Full disclosure: I fell asleep for three quarters of this game. I worked night shifts on Sunday night. But I woke up for the, the last quarter, and the last quarter was very great. Um, I do love that we use a folded index card in a multi-billion dollar sport um, to work out the first down. Um, that that blows my mind in terms of the amount of money. Like We're going we're gonna to talk about how much uh, Jerry Richardson may sell his team for alone. We're still using a folded index card, which, by the way, was Gene Steratol's shopping list. I swear I saw Tim Tams were written on there. <laughs> Which, for me, I, I want to speak to Gene Steratore about his love for Tim Tams, um, how long he's been into them, what's his favorite type, or is he even into it, or is it his wife's? That That's something I would like to deep dive on. Um, maybe in the off-season, um, we could add Steratore to the, the long list of off-season guests on this show. Uh, but my favorite thing probably, yeah, was that Cam Newton thing that you mentioned, that I've watched that a hundred times now, but I still really think Teddy Bridgewater returning to action and getting the, mm. the standing ovation from, from all of his teammates, including Case Keenum, who he's competing with for the job. Um, I thought that was a, a special, special moment. And uh, given what he's been through, given the, the gruesome injury he faced, uh, what, 18 months ago, that's a hell of a comeback. No doubt. It was uh, certainly chilling. I'm glad that moment got to come at home. You know, I'm glad that the circumstances worked out to where, I mean, they had this big lead and, and he got in uh, in garbage time, so to speak, at home. It would have been unfortunate if it had been on the road because he, he deserved every bit of that moment. It, yeah. was, uh, it was quite special. Yeah, I'm also just happy to see Tom Brady finally have something go his way. I tell you what, man, the guy's down on his luck. I mean, he's he's got to put together some sort of sports science programs just to, just to make way uh, these days. So, I mean, it was good for him. Good for Tommy. <laughs> Talking tidbits. Lots of tidbits this week, and we'll start with Panthers owner Jerry Richardson has announced that he's selling the team after allegations of misconduct surfaced against him on Friday. From Sports Illustrated, the Panthers will be put on the block at the end of the season. In a five-paragraph statement announcing the move, Richardson made no mention of the allegations against him, which include wide-ranging sexual misconduct, the use of a racial slur against the Panthers scout. And so Richardson, 81, has owned the Panthers since their founding, is the only current owner to have uh, actually played in the NFL as well. It's unclear how voluntary Richardson's decision is. Um, It's quite possible that things could have unfolded very similarly to Donald Sterling of the Clippers' I don't know if it's quite at that level, but it's still, uh, you know, at least trending in that direction that the NFL may had may have had its own sort of Sterling Clippers fiasco. Well, yeah, you mentioned um, that it's unclear how voluntary it is. Uh, obviously, Donald Sterling is it's a great example. Good job, Why? Proud of you for uh, for connecting those dots. Obviously, two horrible dots um, to yes. connect, but you know, I mean, is there any doubt? I mean any doubt that we are on the first layer of what is ultimately going to be a thousand layer onion Mm. yes no i agree i think that's a fair point the most baffling thing in that thing was he asked women if he could shave their legs that's that's gonna all this stuff allegedly allegedly to be to be fair but yeah yeah, i mean that the sports illustrated report I mean, but that really is fascinating, and obviously um, the, the, the Me Too movement here in America is, is quite strong. Yeah, Time Magazine, um, Person of the Year. It, 
exactly. And, you know, I just, I mean, to play hypothetical, I, I don't know, you know, if this happens two years ago, I don't know that Jerry Richardson is uh, mm. selling the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. A Panthers fan uh, on Twitter, um, I think at Aussie Panther is the handle, sent us a link mentioning that that uh, Richardson's son hinted that that he may want to he was thinking about possibly selling the team a few months back. So before any of this kind of happened, so maybe that was just this is just fast forwarded the process. Maybe they were thinking about moving out from the team in in the next you know maybe a few years or maybe you know these things you don't just decide overnight but maybe this sort of just pushed it up the pecking order uh for the Richardson family perhaps i mean that makes sense um but it really was i mean zero to a hundred type thing the part that i found interesting was in the statement that he released he said you know we're not going to do anything until the last game of this season's played Yet, as I understand it, he's already relinquished uh, his daily duties. I feel yeah. like that's doing something. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think someone can't remember the name, but someone is taking over from his uh, from his role till the end of the season. And uh, we'll get to it further on. But it wouldn't surprise me the Panthers maybe in that final game, you know, the season they're looking looking pretty good. Um, but you know, that would be a a real weird bittersweet moment if Richardson is hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Um, would he even be involved in that if they do make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, hypothetically speaking? I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, he was at the game. I mean, Fox showed him um, as his team beat the Green Bay Packers. But I, I just – I don't know. I mean, there are distractions in sports. I, you just – you have to wonder. I mean, Cam Newton certainly not um, not a stranger to these sort of mm. – I don't want to say these sort of things. I don't, I don't want to lump Cam into that. But not a stranger to distractions. Yep. Um, I mean, it's hard, I think, in Carolina to focus on football at times. Yep. Uh, Diddy is interested in buying the uh, the Panthers. Who would be the uh, – and uh, uh, Deeper Tola Jr. as well as uh, the name has been thrown out there as well. Um, this is all aligning for Donald Trump to become an NFL owner, right? Right. Oh, this is, uh, I mean, we've, we're what, 34 years removed from the USFL? Yeah. That's, that's Herschel Walker's number. The yeah. USFL icon is perfect. Yep. <laughs> we'll wait and see. But um, if Diddy owns it, it'd be definitely very, very interesting. Wow, I just sounded very Kiwi then when I said definitely. Um, all right, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports Marvin Lewis is planning to leave the Bengals after this season to pursue an, to pursue other opportunities. Lewis is already kind of in that lame duck status, um, so there's probably a mutual parting so he doesn't get fired. But then he was asked yesterday by a journalist, and he said he has no intention to leave, which is just coach speak, I guess, trying to not uh, draw attention away from uh, the loss or, or all the other stuff, that all the other cliches that they want to um, spew out in post-match press conferences. But the, the Bengals have obviously looking to move on. Lewis still hasn't won a, a playoff game, but I, it's hard to... Like I'm not going to knock Lewis because the Bengals were completely irrelevant before he got there, but he got them to the playoffs multiple times, which for the Bengals is an achievement in its own. He did. I mean, and I mean, not to discredit the the Bengals of old. Certainly, uh, one of my favorite Bengals, Chris Collinsworth. But I mean, Marvin Lewis. You think about it. I mean, he found uh, quite many talented players. I mean, and different eras of Bengals. I, I, I mean, dominance is probably too kind, but yep. I mean, there was the the Carson Palmer, Chad Ochocinco, T.J. Hushmanzada days. I mean, those were really great. Um, and, and that was kind of when that sort of hatred with the Steelers was born. Mm. And then you had this Andy Dalton, AJ Green, you know, era. At, at one point, I mean, I think in 2015, I think you and I might have said this. Yeah. They had what what was arguably the best roster in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and then it got picked apart 
by free agency. Yeah, and then they also had that, that Andy Dalton injury where he was actually playing probably his kind of having his Matt Ryan season of last year where he had the sort of at the peak of his, you know, limited ceiling, uh, where it was probably just good enough that they could have won a playoff game or multiple playoff games. Um that wouldn't have surprised me at all of that that team. So look, although Lewis has become the butt of a lot of jokes here and there, I do think he should be um, applauded for for what he was able to achieve in Cincinnati, if indeed he is moving on. There's reports that the Bengals want to trade for Hugh Jackson, but a lot of the coaches under Marvin Lewis, um, you know, there's been some some fairly good ones. Mike Zimmer obviously comes to mind. I think that Mike Zimmer would be so great. I mean, I wish Mike Zimmer had stayed in Dallas. Obviously, I, I don't think I don't think Zimmer's got a reason to leave Minnesota, but nah. that would be a great story. But I mean, I don't know. I, I'm also a little bit. How can the Bengals let Marvin Lewis make this decision? I mean, you know, of, of all the, the ways we thought this would end, I mean, playoff loss after playoff loss, it's Marvin Lewis who's breaking up. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. this just, you know, we, we were watching this relationship forever thinking, oh, man, at some point, you know, the Bengals are going to wise up and dump this guy. Yeah. And Marvin's the one who said, you know what? I can do better. That's amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's very high school. Like, you don't want to be the butt of the joke, so you you break up with the, uh, the person first. So uh, it's pretty smart by Marvin. Staying woke. Well done. All right, these next two bits of news are really going to push your buttons, given on the conversation we've had the last few days. But... Um, mm. NFL suspended Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis for two games for Sunday's illegal helmet-to-helmet hit on Devontae Adams. Poor Devontae Adams just can't catch a break in terms of getting concussion hits this year. That's his second one, um, and he was hospitalized during the game. Davis apologized to Adams. Davis, one of the great guys in the league. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate, but it was a bad hit, but he's going to be suspended for two games. He's appealing it, so it'll probably be end up getting reduced to one, but... You have an issue with the the two games being thrown out there. Well, I have an issue. I mean, if if a penalty like this is two games, cool. Let's all understand that. Let's all accept that. Let's define that as the barometer. And then any infraction of this kind gets two games. That seems like the common sense way to approach this. But what I have a problem with is you've got in sequential order, Rob Gronkowski gets one game for an act that I think you and I would both agree was far more malicious than this. Definitely. Um, and then Michael Bennett gets no games for an act that is even more egregious than what Michael Bennett did. and Excuse me, than what, what Gronk did. I don't know oh, if you would agree there. but and, and then, I mean, this is of, of the Gronk, the Michael Bennett, and the Thomas Davis plays. This is the only one that is in the middle of a play that is pertaining to what Football he's trying action. to do. He's trying to, yeah, he's trying to block Devontae Adams. And... He's the one who gets penalized the most. I just my problem with this, if it's two games, five games, if it's ten games, if it's consistent, I can, you know, adjust for it. But if it's inconsistent, it's just stupid, and that's kind of where we are. Yeah, and considering how big of a role Gronk played in the game against the Steelers, which we'll get to a little bit later in the show, you know, if he wasn't in that game, we're talking about an entirely different AFC in terms of the context of the entire season. So this inconsistent um, penalty system that the NFL has is actually impacting playoffs and seedings and all sorts of stuff because, you know, if the Pats lost that game, and they would have lost that game without Gronk, he, he was the best player on the field in that game. Um, and they, they'd be currently the three seed not r- right now, and the Rhodes wouldn't be going through Foxborough. It's a totally different conversation if they were consistent in their in their decisions. And it's not like Thomas Davis is Vontae's perfect. This guy's a, like a man of the year. Like, he's one of the greatest guys around in the league like I don't understand why he's getting a two game from the outset 
and Gronk never even considered multiple games. That that really, really annoys me. Well, to your point earlier where you said it could be the Carolina Panthers and Jerry Richardson hoisting the Lombardi, Thomas Davis missing these next two games, similarly to Gronk playing for the Patriots, significantly affects yep. the NFC playoff picture. I mean, the Panthers are in the middle of things with the Falcons and the Saints and the Cowboys and the Lions. And, I mean, you're talking about a Carolina Panthers team that at this point could still win the NFC South, could theoretically still get a first-round bye, yep. could miss out on the playoffs altogether. And Thomas Davis's absence for two games, the final two games of the regular season, significantly impacts all of the ripple effect things. And it's uh, it, it's just – it's so annoying. This isn't – it's actually – and I think we've said this. It's difficult to, to be this erratic, yet somehow the NFL has found a way. It's, it's difficult to be this bad at uh, suspensions and, and trying to promote player safety. Like, there's just no consistency whatsoever. Look, we're all for suspensions for hits. We want player safety. We know this game is dangerous. We're, you know, that's why we love it a little bit. You know, we live on the wild side, but – um, we don't want reckless helmet hits that's making this game even more dangerous, and we don't want to see players stretch it off more or less than they already are for some hits like that. So some consistency in this topic is much, much needed in the offseason, and we'll get to some other things <laughs> that are needed in the offseason, such as uh, fixing uh. the catch rule. But let's talk about fixing maybe the injured reserve, because the Packers now, they placed Darren Rodgers on injured reserve, ending his season. So he made his long-awaited return last week. Did not look himself early on in this game uh, through multiple interceptions. The, the first time he's thrown three picks in the game since 2009. So, obviously, with the Falcons winning last night, the Packers are out of contention. So, they now have placed Aaron Rodgers on injured reserve and going back to Hunley for the rest of the season. Um, you have a problem with, with the IR. I'm confused how many players have been put on IR this year and have come back off. I always thought only one player could be designated to return, but it seems like so many players are just coming back off IR. I'm, I'm totally confused by all of this. So first of all, each team is allowed two returnees from injured reserve. Go. So was it one um, last year, and they changed? It? I think I think it's been two for two seasons now. Okay. I could be wrong, but it is two. Um, second of all, you know, once upon a time, a quarterback with Wisconsin ties was coming back from a broken collarbone and threw three interceptions against the Carolina Panthers. And his name was Tony Romo, and it was two years ago. So I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers just trying to take every play out of Romo's playbook. You know, find a, a whole different team to collapse against, Aaron. Be your own guy. Um, but third of all, this really is kind of insanely <laughs> stupid. I mean, when you really think about it. And I know that I'm kind of killing the league right now, but that's kind of an easy thing to do in 2017 because – you know, yes or no, if the Atlanta Falcons lose on Monday Night Football or if the Green Bay Packers win, is Aaron Rodgers playing this Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings? Definitely. Yeah, and, and so what you're telling me then is that two days ago he was healthy enough to play a competitive game of football. He would be healthy enough to play a competitive game of football this Sunday if you had, you know, reason for him to. So, but now you're going to tell me and you expect me – you actually expect me to be so stupid to believe that he is medically uh in a position where injured reserve is the option that suits him best that's so stupid i mean and i don't mind that injured reserve serves as this way of stashing players and ultimately somebody gets to benefit because they get paid for these two weeks that they're on the packers roster that aaron Rodgers isn't but it's kind of a mockery of a of a rule of a system when it's supposed to be designed for player safety yet at this point of the season, you see this every year. Teams that are out of the picture will put their stars on injured reserve, etc. It's the same way that dudes miss out on the Pro Bowl, etc. It's dumb, and I just think that 
the NFL should assume that we're smart enough to understand that. Hmm. Agree. I uh, saw, and you talk about players being promoted. I, I didn't realize Jaden Mickens was like living in his car for a lot of uh, his NFL career before uh, getting a regular spot on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Had a big starring game um, just a couple of days ago. So I found that um, interesting. So uh, possibly a, an opening for a Jaden Mickens type player here with Aaron Rodgers on IR. Certainly. And, you know, that's a good thing um, in, in all theory. But it just I mean, and the Cowboys are kind of in this boat with Rico Gathers, for example. But you're you're essentially manipulating injured reserve, which is kind of unfair to players. In this case, it's not unfair to Aaron Rodgers, but it could be. And that really is uh, kind of a broken system. Yeah, I think teams have been manipulating IR for years, but now with more spots, it's just being... Like people, they're just doing it in our face now. It's just, it's just everywhere. It's ridiculous. Three point stance. All right, three point stance time. And our first uh, three point stance topic this week. We we're going to talk about it last week, but after another great week, it was time. The time has come. Um, is Blake Bortles good? <laughs> you know. Um... And while we're at it, is Derek Carr bad? I think we'll talk about both of these guys at the same time. I'll say this: if there was ever a year and a season that Blake Bortles would rise from the ashes. It's 2017. This season is so weird that it only makes sense for Blake Bortles to be our savior. Um, now, you and I are typically in lockstep on most things. It's actually yeah. difficult to find anything in life that you and I differ on, yeah. uh, and this is, this is no different. I really believe that Derek Carr is not just bad, but he's the most overrated quarterback in the game, and I would argue actually the most overrated player in the game. Derek Carr is kind of a loser. Yeah, I think he. I definitely agree with you. I think he's overrated a lot. Um, I think he's not great. Uh, this off season, some of the Derek Carr takes were just too much. It was just way too high for me. Um, people were saying that they want him over Andrew Luck and things like that, which Ooh, I found sensitive. Yeah, which I found. Like, I know Luck's got a shoulder injury, but I'd, I'd rather the gamble to to have Luck on my uh, on my team than than Derek Carr. And uh, if you we're talking about the two together. They're both drafted in the same draft class. Obviously, Bortles went uh, third overall, and Derek Carr went atop the second round. So they're not quite as linked as, like, say, a Winston and Mariota. But it is quite funny that, uh, and I found this tweet from Roto Pat very interesting. He said, only death, brackets Derek Carr, can pay for life, Blake Bortles. So maybe it's a thing where they can only be good at, one of them can be good at the same time. So, look, Derek Carr was good last year, or he was fine last year. I think it just got severely overrated. But if you compare the 2017 stats of Blake Bortles and Derek Carr, you're talking yards per attempt, Blake Bortles 7.2, 6.8. Um, then you look at all of these on Pro Football Reference. Um, the, uh, a, the, oh, I've just completely gone blank on the stats here, what they actually stand for in my mind, and it's annoying because I use them all the time. But... Um, you've got 7.21 to 6.69 in the uh, any yards per attempt. And then, yeah, passer rating, he's he's higher as well. Touchdown to interception ratio is better as well. And then if you're looking at the month of just December alone, Bortles has completed 71% of his passes. He's thrown seven touchdowns and no interceptions for 128.6 passer rating. I, I mean, all of this 
makes a lot of sense. And and I think, you know, you said that the car got oh so overrated in the offseason, which I think is true. And it, it kind of evolved over 2016. And I think it's sort of this, um, you, you know, hero effect or maybe not hero, but nostalgia effect. I think we all just wanted the Raiders to be so good. You know, we, we, we just we wanted to buy it. We wanted to believe that the Raiders were back and that Derek Carr was the answer and that he was his franchise quarterback. And then he became the NFL's highest paid player. It was just it was it was. It was meat, and we were hungry. Um, and so, but right now, if you had to build a franchise around one, well, I think I'd still take Derek Carr. But still, it's so I, hard. I, I, but I, the fact that it's even a conversation is the point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's it's inc- it's incredible. And to be fair here, to be totally objective, what is Derek Carr's reason for regression? Whereas Blake Bortles has been dealing this entire offseason and really been dealing in de- this whole season and dealing in December without Allen Robinson. His number one target is gone. Yep. What what and, what excuse and, does Derek Carr Allen, have? And, and Allen Hearns and Marquise Lee were not in that game. He was throwing to Keelan Cole and, and Jaden Mickens, who I mentioned earlier. Um, in this yeah. game, I know it was against the Texans, and but still, like the Texans' defense is fine. It's just their offense at the moment is so bad. But is it because he knows that the see this is a, this is something I like. This is a totally separate subject, but I have a feeling like when a team when a when a player knows that his defense is really really good, he can relax a little and take a few more risks because he knows that his defense has got a good chance of making a stop. But when you know your offense is really bad and you have to maintain drives, I feel like the pressure is on you so much more. Totally. I mean, Blake Bortles, people wanted to compare him so much to Ben Roethlisberger because of their build. But Blake Bortles is just, he's right now, 2017 Blake Bortles is 2012 Joe Flacco. Mm, I like that comparison a lot. That's a, that's a great comparison. Um, and that stat, I just realized, I looked it up. It's uh, the adjusted yards per passing attempt. He's at 7.21, Derek Carr at 6.69. And then if you go to even the adjusted net yards per passing attempt, which is the uh, the golden child of, of that stat there, um, 6.65 to 6.27. So you're looking at that. Bortles has been far more efficient than Derek Carr has been all season long. Um, I know Carr has been dealing with an injury, but look... I think that Blake Bortles here, I think the Jags are a legit threat if Blake Bortles continues this play. Um, but we'll uh, we'll get to what we actually, and we agree a lot on this, uh, on what's going to happen in the AFC playoffs. We'll get to that in our in our Super Bowl picks. But the last thing on Bortles is um, ESPN's Dan Gra- Graziano outlined, Bortles might have put the Jags in a, in a real bind this offseason because his fifth-year option's worth $19 million and it becomes fully guaranteed on March 14. Do you make this decision because you could totally see Blake Bortles just going back to being Blake Bortles next season and then regretting that $19 million decision? Well, first of all, that existing detail is what likens him to 2012 Joe Flacco. Um, Yes. and, And second of all, you absolutely pick up that fifth year option. Absolutely. I mean, so. I mean, if 2017 Blake Bortles is 2012 Joe Flacco, then 2018 Blake Bortles is 2017 Kirk Cousins. You pick that up, it's just a really small franchise tag. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if it doesn't work out, whatever. But you uh, you took that small little gamble because it was absolutely worth it. Yeah, and I still think them dra- them paying that doesn't preclude them from drafting a quarterback at the second round or even in the first round because they, they, are, they are quite a strong roster. They're a draft away from being a really, really good team. For is, a really, really long is, time. Is Blake Bortles the best first-round quarterback from the 2014 draft? Because 
I mean, he kind of is. I mean, he's competing at this point with what Johnny and Teddy Bridgewater because Derek Carr went in the second round. Yeah, is is Blake Bortles not the best first round quarterback from his class? Yeah, I think he has to be just by pure default. Um, although Bridgewater's still young and can turn things around, so I don't think it's over for Bridgewater. But looking at the the list, yeah, I definitely yeah you have to go. Would, <laughs> you have to go. With would him. you would you rather have Blake Bortles or Marcus Mariota? Wow. Uh, I'd still go with Mariota. Um, is it closer than Carr? Oh, man, Mariota's been awful, but I, I feel like he's been injured all year. I, there's something not right with Mariota. He's, he's been injured his whole career. That's yeah, the that's, thing. I mean, you know, true. I mean, yeah. Look, that's I, amazing. The fact that I even have to scratch my chin right now, and I know recency bias plays a, a huge role, and that's fine. That, that's the way we are. Like, you can only go off their most recent performances. Like, we could have this conversation right now and, and Blake Bortles just completely capitulates down the stretch and that's it. But we'll always have this December month to, to show us what Blake Bortles could have been. And it's it's up there, but it's hard to really split these guys at the moment because Derek Carr has been awful. He, he's just not great to watch at all. And it's just, I don't know, I, he's, last season they got very lucky in games and it, it got way over way too overrated for me, the hype around Derek Carr, I'm glad people are starting to see that he's not that great. Well, I also think his, you know, personality. He's got that sort of fake surrounding him. You know what I mean? And and I know you see that it's too. Drew Brees like. Uh, uh, I would go Aaron Rodgers like in that regard, but you know, teaches him. Yeah, there we go. All right, number two on our list is this the end of the great Seahawks run or this era of this this Seahawks? You know, the 2012 to 2016. Seahawks, one of the great teams um, around, because the Seahawks are just one of those teams that everyone just assumes will be in the mix, or, or they'll, they'll get things right when the postseason rolls around. They'll sneak in, and they're a team you don't want to face, but they didn't look anything like that Seahawks team that we've expected for the last few years in that lopsided 42-7 to loss to the Rams. So that, that game, the Seahawks pretty much crapped all over themselves. Of the 34 points the Rams scored in the first half, every single Last one of them came on drives that started on Seattle's side of the field. You just can't remain competitive against a good team doing that. Their first seven possessions was a fumble, a punt, a punt, a punt, a punt, a fumble, and a punt before Wilson took a knee to end the first half. Gurley outgained the Seahawks' offense alone by himself in the first half, 158-59, to um, and then called it a day in the middle of the third quarter with 180 yards from scrimmage. It was one of the most comprehensive ass whippings I've ever seen from a team in the first half and you just don't expect to see it to see it being Seattle at home. You know, I know you and I are both fans of uh, the Around the NFL podcast and I believe it was Chris Wessling that said that this was a changing of the guard game and that's that's really what it felt like. I mean because to change the guard you really just have to demolish your opponent and I mean, we've seen teams uh, certainly in this impressive stretch that Seattle has had. I don't know if you realize this. They've, in the Russell Wilson era, never finished shy of the divisional round, ever. Mm. And, um, I mean, we've never seen them just generally lose like this, uh, let alone, you know, lose like this at home. And so I think that for so long, Russell Wilson's been able to mask uh, the deficiencies around him. I think Doug Baldwin's a great wide receiver, for example. But is he a real number one? I mean, mm. Seattle's gotten – they've gotten by with a shaky O-line, with a, a weird run game post-Marshawn Lynch, with no real vertical threats, just because their defense has been so incredible and because Russell Wilson has had so much magic. And the defense, as broken as it is, 
I mean, it's just it's no longer enough, especially when you go up against a loaded Rams team. And first of all, so much props to the Rams for figuring out their uniform because it was really weird early on this season. Um <laughs> But second of all, my God, I mean, Sean McVay, you know, to, to sort of piggyback off the Derek Carr thing, he totally deserves the hype. I, I am really absolutely totally believing that we could be seeing the next great head coach in the NFL in Sean McVay. Yeah, I just hope he, he isn't like a one-year wonder. I really hope he is legit and you have to lean towards that he is legit. And, um, you know, we all were really shocked by that hire back when it was like this young guy, like, what are they doing? Like, you, are you serious? But you know, sometimes going from the complete opposite to what you had has just has worked. In this case, it has. And you're right. I, I do think it is like a changing of the guard type of game here in the NFC West because with McVay and with Donald and with Goff and Gurley, these Rams are, are going to be tough to beat every single year. Like Aaron Donald is Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I think he's probably edged Jalen Ramsey out now. And I think he he is legit. He is the guy that's going to, to, to lead them and, and, and give – this Seahawks fits for many, many years. You, you talk about them winning off the back of their defense. This is the squad that, you know, went to back-to-back Super Bowls in 2013 and 2014. They've made the postseason every year since 2012. You know, that opportunistic, hard-eating defense, they've been very banged up. They've been torn apart by injuries. Um, and now it's kind of impossible to project what that team's going to be in in 2018. And we've also got some beef between, you know, Wagner and, Earl Thomas as well. That's that featured with uh, Earl Thomas saying that should he sh- uh, Bobby Wagner shouldn't have played, and then Bobby Wagner tweeted and quickly deleted a tweet that said, "E, keep my name out of your mouth. Stop being jealous of other people's success. I still hope you keep balling, bro." Which kind of shed light possibly is Earl Thomas retiring? He thought about it last year, but if you look at this team, um, Richard Sherman, they tried to trade him last year. He's nearly thirties, coming off a. T- torn Achilles. He'll count for 13 million against the cap next year. So he could be a dead money cut to them. Um, Chancellor and Averill are both dealing with career threatening neck and spine injuries. And NFL Network's Mike Silver believes that the Seahawks could move on from both Bennett and Thomas. So uh, I, I don't know if this is going to be a, a, the same team next season that we've, we've had for the last, what, six? Uh, yeah. I mean, you've got since 2012. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, Look, if this is the end of the run, I mean, my God, it was one hell of a run. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to be disappointed with uh, the way it shook out for the Seahawks. And at the end of the day, you still have Russell Wilson, which means you still have more than enough of yeah, a shot exactly. at the NFC. But I will say the beef between Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner, I tweeted this when it came out. This has always been who the Seahawks are. Yeah. They have always been a squad that is just so bad at losing and dealing with adversity of this kind and now that we're seeing it uh in large lumps we're starting to see them kind of come undone unravel um yeah and uh but but i mean especially you look at michael bennett the way he acted out last week in jacksonville now you got this i mean this is who they are and you know it uh it had a lifespan on it and i think we're at the end of it it's very very they are very very sore losers um look a lot of teams can't deal with losing but yeah they are very very sore losers which makes the rams winning so much fun because they're a fun team to watch because of mcveigh um it's it's just great it was a you know, a lopsided game like that are never fun to watch, but just watching a team just steamroll so efficiently, the way that they did it, it was kind of incredible to watch. 
It really was. And L.A. is on the precipice, man. And I know we talked about it, but they're about to have it all. I mean, they're about to have the quarterback, the running back, the coach, the defensive player. And pretty soon they're going to have the big fancy new house in Los Angeles where they can court players to come play in L.A. I mean, it really is all sort of starting to materialize, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah, it is. And it's kind of happened really fast. It's kind of weird. And this this was potentially going to be my third topic, but it's kind of funny how one piece can st- can just uh, what's a, a catalyze a, a process and a team because getting McVay has changed everything for this franchise. It's an absolutely franchise-altering move, and it's, it's speeding up this process for them and, and making them desirable. And that's the same with Jimmy Garoppolo now. Um, there were some tweets yesterday with some free agents asking about San Francisco as a destination next year because Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a franchise-altering move, and suddenly things look up with Shanahan and Garoppolo and if they can get some free agents wanting to play with Jimmy G, that, that's that's another very similar thing. And that the NFC West could be a very fun division for many years. It really is interesting. You mentioned the McVeigh hire was was questioned so openly. So was the uh, the John Lynch hire, <laughs> and they're kind of the the sort of two masterminds uh, here in the second half of the season. Kind yeah, of amazing. It's it is absolutely nuts. Um, and I just want to backtrack before we move on to our third point, and I want to apologize to you, RJ, because you. Uh, sent me something on Facebook about Thomas Davis earlier on the show, and I completely missed it. I didn't see it. Um, my okay. my eyes are focused you. on the run sheet here, you know, that I've put together for the show, and I didn't expect uh, while we're on air to, to – although you did do it last week, and I picked it. I just This week I didn't do it. But Thomas Davis, uh, his suspension got reduced to one game, which was expected. That's the reason they made it two games to begin with, because they knew that if they appeal, they'll still get a one-game suspension to begin with. But then, so how does that not work when Gronk appeals him or when Juju appeals his that they say no to that appeal, but they say yes to this appeal? I don't know. I, I'm, it, I'm the shrugging emoji right now. Just the, it's yeah. so insanely stupid. It goes back to the the Tlaib-Crabtree fight. What yeah. data changed? I mean, yeah. what what data changed in the 24 hours since you previously evaluated? Yeah. It's Take insane. that for data, you know? Oh, well done. Thank you. All right, last point on uh, three-point stance this week is... Was the Steelers at Patriots game the game of the season? Well, I tell you what, uh, I think a lot of people out of uh, loyalty to Derek Carr would have said that Thursday night game uh, between Carr and uh, and the Chiefs. Uh, I haven't watched this whole game yet. I've got it loaded up um, to watch on the old uh, Xbox later this evening, just because this was during the time my dad and I were getting into the stadium and things like that. Yep. Um, and we saw we saw the end, but I think that. And, and maybe I'm a little biased here. I think to pick the game of 2017, you have to have Romo on the call. Is that not fair? I mean, given his his rise. Um, and so you've got Romo. You've got Brady. You've got the Steelers. You've got Antonio Brown. You've got a major injury, which really summarizes this season well. You've got a big-time play in the Juju Smith-Schuster play. You've got a Brady-Gronk moment. Uh, and you have a controversial moment. I mean, this game had like every piece. It was like a microcosm. It was just like a little tiny, uh, you know, like how in the future they have all the meals in like a pill that you swallow. It, this was like that pill. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it was it was fantastic. The end, though, it, it just it, you feel so bad when a game like this ends that way. It was so it was so gross. Also, I feel like Ben Roethlisberger isn't getting killed enough for that decision. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that in in a second. But I I, I like this line from Robert Mays' piece on the Ringer, and I'm, I'm not a big Ringer fan, but I, I I like Robert Mays. He said to channel Stefan from Saturday Night Live, this game had everything. So it had a pair of this generation's 
iconic quarterbacks trading haymakers, the best players at their positions looking at unstoppable, um, an early and potentially season-altering injury to a superstar, and then an ending decided by the NFL's most controversial rule. I think that's a very great way to sum up that game. It, it really had it all, um, and the, the, the injury to Brown continues a, a, a scary trend of the Pittsburgh offensive difference makers never sharing the field for a, for a complete Patriots-Steelers game. So we had Brown going down this week. Le'Veon Bell missed the previous game for a suspension and then an injury after the second snap of the game. And then wideout Matavius Bryant missed, the, missed their game in 2016 as well. They just can't stay intact every time it comes down to face the Patriots, which is lucky for the Pats in one sense, and then they get lucky as well later on in the drive. Um, look, the Patriots are a great team. They don't need the luck, but they still get the luck. It, it, it drives us mad as, as teams that, you know, you, you want to see someone like the Browns get some luck. Why, why are the Patriots using up all the NFL team's luck? See, you and I were talking about this before we got ready for this, and yeah. I agree that they're certainly fortunate, but they, they create that fortune, yeah, and that's who they are. I think to a are. degree you can create your own luck, but it, it is, there's some things that are just bo- no creation whatsoever at all. Like Brown getting injury injured is not the Pats sure. creating their luck. Sure, but the Pats are, are dealing with injury too. I mean, you've yeah. got no Danny, you know, no Julian Edelman. I mean, no Chris Hogan. I mean, you're down on your luck, uh, in, in certain areas as well. You know, Deron Harmon was on the MMQB podcast with Peter King and he talked about how, and I, you know, I think this is easy to believe that they were prepared for that fake spike because that is somewhat predictable by Ben Roethlisberger. And he said that, that, you know, you would be astounded at the number of situations they prepare for. And while it would seem like it would be common sense for other NFL teams to do it, I, I just, I guess they just don't. I mean, it, that's what makes this team great yeah. is their discipline in that regard to always mm-hmm. try and always push and always find a way to challenge themselves. And it shows up and pays off in moments like this. Yeah, and that's where Bill Belichick is still so underrated as a difference maker because what? How many coaches are? How many coaches account for stuff like that? Not, not, not many. Like it, it sounds simple. Like every coach should be planning for that, but they don't. They just don't. And and Bill Belichick just thinks of everything, and he's just an an absolute difference maker on every single snap of the game. You you just have an edge because Bill Belichick is so good, and and teams are so scared of him as well that they they change things, or especially in crunch time, they're just so afraid of Bill Belichick that, that they lose their mind a few times. We've seen it with so many coaches in. In late games, just because they're they're so fearful of Bill Belichick and what he can do and and what Brady can do with the with the game on the line as well, that they they lose their mind and they they uncharacteristically uh, sort of crap themselves on that two minute on that spike as well. Why why that play was getting reviewed? Why aren't the Steelers going through two or three plays like every possible avenue? Like if, if Big Ben should be saying to his teammate, all right, if I throw you the ball and you fall short, we need to get in. We're either going to snap it or fake spike it, but just run a normal route. Just like, why aren't they game-planning that? I, I, I'm not sure what the thinking is at all. Because they're not the Patriots. And I know that, that sounds no, silly. No, it's, it's but right, though. It, it's the truth. Although, so, again, I haven't seen, you know, the game with, with full attention yet. But that was third down. Or was that second down when yeah. that timeout was happening? Well, so the, the Jesse James pass was first down. So the next play was going to be second. The, the next play was second down, and he threw it to... I think Haywood Bay out wide, and then the third play was the interception, third and goal. Right, and so the other thing here is that the fake spike, and, and I know Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin's comments post game sort of, you know, uh, crossed over each other. Yeah. But 
to, to fake spike that again is so stupid because if you're the Patriots and you are prepared mentally, there's no way on earth he's spiking that ball on third down because mm-hmm. th- then then they have to kick a field goal on fourth down. Mm-hmm. And and it really is the, the that ability to sort of process that information in the moment mm-hmm. where Ben Roethlisberger is trying to outsmart the Patriots, but they've done all of their homework. Mm-hmm. But should they have just spiked the ball and kicked the field goal and gone to overtime or what? I think this is similar to Derek Carr's play of, of potential heroism against the Cowboys. I mean, this is trying to do too much mm. because this is this is where Tom Brady is who he is. You have to realize and you have to know you have essentially a guaranteed tie in overtime staring you in the face. There's no need to play hero. There's no need to try these extravagant things like diving for the end zone in a fake spike. If you're going to throw the ball, just throw the ball. Mm. I mean, there's no there's no reason to get so glitzy and glamorous with it. Yep. Um, and and that's that's what happens. And the Patriots in those moments they stay calm. They don't let emotion influence their decisions, which is why they are who they are. Yep. Uh, this was interesting as well on the final drive. So uh, Gronk Gronk was the best player on the field. He. He's, oh, he's, God. he's arguably the, the greatest tight end ever. By it. He, he made a catch, I think, three, maybe four people on earth could make. Um, it was just, he's just incredible. It's, it's unbelievable he just took over that game. And look, I know he should have been suspended, but I, I don't care. Like, he's, he's so good to watch. He, he, he is just something else. Like, he, he's in that club where you just run out of adjectives. Because it's just yeah. no words left to describe him. But he had three catches for 69 yards. And then on the pursuing drive, um, Juju Smith-Schuster had a 69-yard catch as well. So kind of felt like this was this game was playing out in Rob Gronkowski's head a little bit with all these 69ers. I just found that uh, very um, crazy. But we haven't even talked about this catch rule yet at all. Um, so by rule, look, it's clear to see that the pass to James was incomplete as he went to the ground. James lost possession of the ball. That doesn't mean the rule isn't dumb. It's a dumb, it's a very dumb rule. So James had possession of the ball, turned around and reached toward the goal line. That should make him a runner regardless of what the rest of the body is doing. So by any rational definition, what took place on that throw to James should just be considered a catch and a touchdown. If a player has possession of the ball when it crossed the plane of the end zone, his team should get six points. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. I'm. It drives me insane. What bothers me about this is that you're essentially punishing Jesse James for an incredible feat of athleticism. You know, you're almost saying, "Hey, dude, it would have been it would have been better if you had just you know gone down immediately and not not tried to reach for the goal line, yeah. etc." But I really hate this sort of cloudy murkiness around the goal line. I mean, you mentioned it where we've seen how many different times where a player just breaks the plane and they can have the ball completely knocked out of their hands, but it's a touchdown. Well, I mean, that's so stupid. If you cross the airspace of the end zone, you're good. I mean, to that point, why was Jesse James's touchdown not a touchdown? Because he's going to the ground. At some point, everybody's going to the ground. Welcome to gravity. Exactly. It's just insane. And and Laurie Horish put this right. I mean, the second week in a row, I mentioned the great man, but he said, "If you can, you can't extend the ball without having control of it. So once a player extends the ball, they've pretty much established control of the catch." Like I really, this is a, I really feel like the NFL and, and referees and people like Dean Blandino, they've really outthought themselves. You know, it's 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 one of those moments where you just sort of, you know, you you break your brain, yeah. and that's what the NFL. Feel like done you need to here. be a scholar just to read the NFL rule book because they're just trying to be too smart. I, it, it's just insane. 
it's frustrating, um, and it's a shame because it's going to impact uh, the run of the Super Bowl for one yeah. of these teams. Definitely, and I, I tweeted immediately after because going into Foxborough in January as opposed to hosting them is a three- or four-point advantage. That's that's a massive swing in a playoff game, and I no one no one's going into Foxborough from this AFC and beating the Pats, so you can pretty much just put them in the Super Bowl right now. That, that was a Super Bowl-altering decision from the catch rule. Um, Mike Pereira tried to explain it as well, and I, I had to include it because of these final three words that he, he um, mentioned. So he said, look, here's the rule. If you're going to the ground, you have to hold onto the ball when the ball hits the ground. Going to the ground trumps lunging, reaching to try to get extra yards or score a touchdown. You can do that at your own risk. It's incomplete. Just ask Dez. Uh, uh, oh, God. You know... It, it really bothers me because so many Steelers fans are like, oh, we get it. You know, the same thing happened. No, 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 no. You don't get it. That's this, this is not at all the same thing. It wasn't fourth down. It wasn't the playoffs. It wasn't the final game of your season. The, at the end of the day, when, when that game ended, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still a division champion, still likely going to have a first-round yeah, bye, yeah. still going to the playoffs. And still had, you know, while that decision was going on, time to, to win the game or tie the game. So it, it was completely different, but... Just thought that just ask Dex would get a reaction from you. But, um, you know, the catch rule, very frustrating. The Pats benefited from it. And, of course, Boston Riders and Bill Belichick and everyone's agreeing with the rule now. But if the shoe was on the other foot, um, it would be a complete outrage if the Pats were darted. Yeah, the shoe will never be on the other foot. That's how they roll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Super Bowl picks. We were going to Disneyland. Oh, yes. All right, Super Bowl picks time. I think this is now your fourth go with your uh, Super Bowl prediction. I'll go first because um, I mentioned my pick to you yesterday and we we discussed a lot, a lot of this because you find mine completely stupid. But this is a matchup I just want because I think it's refreshing for the NFL because we've got some new kids on the block. It's been a while since we've had some fresh blood in the playoffs. So for me, my Super Bowl pick right now is the Jaguars versus the Rams. Um, that would be a really, really fun game for me to watch. Jared Goff and this offense taking on this, this defense, then Aaron Donald trying to slow down Leonard Fournette and and, uh, and see how Blake Bortles plays against a legit defense for a change. This would be a, a real Super Bowl um, that I would like to see, and it's just a fun Super Bowl because it it's hard to hate these teams. Yeah, I mean, they're both interesting. It would be a gross, uh, not uniform, uniform matchup, oh. but 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 gross helmet matchup. And That's the part matchup. of it. Yeah. yeah, like looking at the helmets, oh, it would be just so gross. <laughs> um, you know, for me, I'm sort of starting to buy in, and I know I mentioned them already, on the Ravens. All right, this is, there's just, you know, and we talked about this before that Ravens-Steelers game. There's something about Joe Flacco in certain elements. And, and I tell Joe. you what, if the Ravens get a chance to go to Foxborough, I will be interested in that mm. because he, he's got the juice for that game. Uh, so I'm going to go Ravens, and I'm going to take, uh, you know, to mix things up, I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers, like you said, because yeah. I think Cam, Cam Cam's kind of finding his he's, groove. He's that in. moment was, was amazing. Oh. oh, you Watch this. That was so awesome. Oh, my God. It was just uh, in the game, the swag. I, oh, <laughs> I, I love Cam. Like, look, I can, you know, some of the stuff here and there, I, I get it. It rubs people the wrong way, but then some people just unnecessarily go out of their way to – to beat up on Cam as well, but he 
is fun. That, that's fun. That, that's one of the moments of the year. Like, that's what I'll remember from this year as, as a real glowing positive is to watch this and then the touchdown to McCaffrey inside. So I, I talked about the Jags winning, uh, being in the Super Bowl for my Super Bowl pick, and we discussed pretty much exactly what's going to happen 100% um, in the AFC playoffs. Um, so we basically both agree that the Jags will upset the Steelers. Well, not only that, but they'll draw them without Antonio Brown. Now, that's yep. what will happen. Yep. The Jags will draw the Steelers without Antonio Brown. They'll beat them, uh, much like they did 10 years ago. People talk about how it's been 10 years since the Jaguars in the playoffs. They went to Heinz Field and won a playoff game that year. It was incredible. Wow. And then everything aligns for Blake Bortles after playing well and after we just spent 10 minutes singing his praises for him to go into Foxborough in the uh, the championship game and just completely the bed um, and playing terribly, being peak Blake Bortles, throws five interceptions, and Brady barely has to lift a finger on offense, and the, the Pats just cruise into another Super Bowl. That's exactly how the AFC is going to play out, right? It, it really is, because it also sets up for an offseason of tropes, because it's going to be this discussion when you're talking about, for example, Blake Bortles is, you know, fifth-year option, etc. It's I mean, he went to the AFC Championship game. You know, it, it, you can just, it is so predictable. It's yep. going to happen. I can feel it. Yeah, it just feels like that's exactly how it's going to play out. Um, although, I still want uh, some other different teams to make the playoffs, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that with our pre-snap picks here. Pre-snap picks. Making good time here, RJ, with a lot of content on the show. It's been a great show so far. Here are our pre-snap picks um a lot of playoff implications for for teams here and uh, i ran the uh 538 i don't know if you've been on 538 lately uh rj uh not uh not lately but i mean it is uh, a valuable source yeah so they have a playoff predictor so you can actually click on all the matches and, and work out who wins and it shoots out a, a percentage for them to win the super bowl um you know win the division first round by all that sort of stuff so i ran the model here on what i think and i'll go through my picks here a bit later on but um, if results go our way here, um, well, when I say our way, I, w- I want the AFC playoffs to be as entertaining as possible. With the, the Titans and the Bills being in the playoffs, that doesn't excite me. I'm not sure if you're on the same page as me. I'd like to see the Bills. I really would. Okay. I, I, I'm I'm good with Buffalo. I mean, okay. they deserve it. I'd rather see the Chargers and the Ravens uh, in the Super Bowl uh, in the in the playoffs as opposed to the to the Titans um, and the Chiefs. It's more the Titans. I'm, I'm okay with the Bills, but. To a, to a degree, if Tyrod can be sneaky, good. LaShawn McCoy is still somehow underrated. Um, that's a totally to- different topic we didn't even address at all today. I think Greg Rosenthal mentioned it in his uh, debrief. I, I really recommend people read that. that. That's a phenomenal article every single week. Um, but yeah, I just I just want I just don't want the Titans in there. They're, they're terrible. They're bad. It was so predictable that they were going to lose to the 49ers, <laughs> and then they did. Yep. It was just. It, Amazing. Yeah. The only thing is, I was on the Niners minus two and a half, and they won only one by two. So let oh, me, I know. Let, let me down terrible. the big spot. But um, so I worked it out here, and uh, you know, the Chargers win out, the Titans lose their remaining games, the Ravens win out. Um, we're looking at the Chargers and the Ravens in in the playoffs, and I I worked it out, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, RJ. I have Dallas winning their last two games, but unfortunately, I have Atlanta winning at least one of their games here, and and they're going to sneak in just ahead of you guys. I actually think that's quite likely. Yeah, um, I think you, you guys know, will be ten and six and miss the playoffs. That's rough. It's uh, you know, and you mentioned Atlanta. I think the toughest thing the Cowboys need 
for them to get is honestly a Lions loss. I think it's it's actually more improbable to see the Lions losing a single game versus the Falcons losing both games simply because the Lions play the Bengals and now the Aaron Rodgers list Packers. Um, and yeah. you need them to lose one, and that just doesn't seem likely. Yeah, so unfortunately that's that's the case. But let's get into to uh, week 16. Colts-Ravens, the first game of the week, the second week in a row, the Colts... Um, in kind of a prime time slot, as opposed to it's not prime time, but it's it's a single game on its own out there on an island, which is just not great um, because everyone gets to see how bad my uh, Colts team really is and how bad Chuck Pagano is. Um, I'll take the Ravens. It, yeah, I mentioned the 2012 Ravens uh, beat your Colts in the wild card round uh, in Ray Lewis's last game in Baltimore. I'll take them. I yeah. like it. Yeah, they should win comfortably. Uh, Vikings and Packers, another game uh, on a standalone day. Um, it has kind of lost its juice with uh, Aaron Rodgers being ruled out. So I'll, I'll take the Vikings here as they uh, try to fight for that number one seed as the Eagles kind of looked a little bit vulnerable. I didn't realize Carson Wentz played defense for them as well. That's true. I mean, I think the Vikings are feeling good. I think Case Keenum's kind of finding his groove back, uh, but I am two for two on purple jerseys. Yep. Uh, well, that's true. Purple. Uh, pur- See, it's a Sunday here for us. We actually get to watch NFL football on a Sunday these last few weeks with the Saturday football slate over in the States. So Purple Sunday here on um, this weekend. So maybe, I don't know, is there a purple alcohol? Not really. Um, well, there's the purple drink, very yeah. infamously. Yeah, yeah so, there you go. Maybe get onto that, guys. Get onto that on Sunday. Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints. Now, this game has a lot of implications. The NFC South is, is a tight race. The Falcons, they have two division games, so they need to win at least one of these games. Um, I have them losing this game on the road and, and possibly beating Carolina at home um, in Week 17. But, you know, a lot can change. The Falcons, they're a weird team. Like, they haven't been great. They seem to fa- falcon a lot of games. Um, uh, they seem to just, I don't know what it is, that they let all these teams get back in the game since the Super Bowl. It just seems to be a, a thing that they've been doing. It's like a demon that haunts them. Um, it It's hard to pick. But the Saints weren't that great against the Jets. They They weren't, but... I mean, we just saw this matchup not too long ago, and the Falcons were lucky enough to dodge Alvin Kamara for a majority of that yeah. game. And so you've got Kamara. This is in the Superdome. It's just it's a hard game to see the Saints losing. And typically, they split this series every year or every other year. So it, it feels that way. You know, Atlanta got the one at home. New Orleans here at home. Yep. New Orleans with a chance to really clinch that division. I, I just I can't see the Saints losing. And the Falcons have played poorly, to your point. I mean, they should have lost Monday night, but Tampa Bay isn't a team that's capable of capitalizing on the mistakes of the Falcons. New Orleans is. And I think we see a, a New Orleans. And, and ultimately, an, an Atlanta loss makes Week 17 so riveting across the NFC, which is what we need. Yeah, and that's why I'm tipping the Saints as well. I'm here for the, the uh, maximum entertainment factor and uh, more meaningful games in Week 17 because sometimes when the playoffs are... A lot of the Week 17 games are just teams going through the motions. So the more competitive games that mean something, um, the better. But the Falcons are a weird team, though. Like They've been winning these games. They have the same record they did last year. They're a team that I could see just easily switch on the on-flick and, and go on a run. Um, I just don't know if they can do it this week um, against the Saints uh, on the road. Well, let's hope that uh, the Saints can get it done. Yep. Uh, go Saints. G-E-A 
UX Saints. Uh, you know, wow. I, again, there's just some, something about the, the Saints in their black jerseys in the Superdome. I mean, I'm 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 in. I'm, let's do it. Let's let's eat uh you know uh, Cajun food for the whole weekend. <laughs> I'm down for that. Uh, Buffalo Bills, New Orleans, uh, New Orleans, New England Patriots. This one's pretty simple. Pats at home. The Bills, um, they should win comfortably as they look to, you know, they can't slip up here um, even with, although they probably can given that they own the uh, tiebreaker um, against the Pats, uh, against the Steelers, sorry. Well, I tell you what, I mean, the only more Patriots thing left uh, for the Patriots to do is to deny the Bills a playoff ticket. So uh, it's going to happen. The Patriots all the way. Yep. Uh, Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, just cancel this game. Oh, God. This is, again, this is the curse of the CB. I mean, we talked yeah, about yeah, this. If, if you're CB, Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, Cincinnati Bengals, you are basically screwed yeah. um, in the NFL. Um, now, which CB? Yeah, well, Champ Bailey is, is one <laughs> exception. Yep. Uh, but he didn't get a ring. I mean, you know, yeah, you're sure. sort of destined to be a, a loser here. Uh, I'll take the Bears just because I'm sick of trying to believe the Browns are going to do this. I'm going to do this again, and I'm going to tip the Browns for the third consecutive week. I'm going to be right one of these one of these weeks. Please do not go 0-16, Browns. You, you deserve better. Your defense deserves better. They've been, they're, despite being 0-16, they're a lot more fun to watch on Game Pass than, say, a Miami or an Oakland. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's because they play an interesting game and then they just find the most Brown. amazing ways to collapse. <laughs> and that's uh, that's what that's what will happen here. Wow. Again, it, it, to 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 really finish 0-16, you have to surrender to Mitchell Trubisky and John Fox. <laughs> Denver Broncos, it could be John Fox's last game in Chicago, just uh, potentially. Uh, Denver Broncos, sorry, at Chicago, I mean, um, a home game. Denver Broncos, Washington Redskins, another game that has zero impact on anything whatsoever. Although it gives John Elway a first-hand look at his future quarterback. That's true. Uh, Kirk Cousins. You know, we talked about this last week. Uh, I thought Kirk Cousins would would go off a little bit. Didn't go off, but Kirk played well. And Kirk is, I think, again, playing for 2018, playing for for eyes uh, that aren't in Washington. And I think Kirk does it again. I think uh, I I believe in Kirk Cousins, and uh, I think he gets it done again. Um, Brock Osweiler, if you want something fun to do on Pro Football uh, Reference or or Rotovis, just check out Brock Osweiler's splits versus Colts and then the rest of his career. Um, (laughs) We we made him rich. He he owes the Colts organization or the Colts defense or Chuck Pagano. Some of his money because he looks like an absolute all-pro when he plays the Colts and then slivers back into um, just irrelevance against anybody else. So I'll take the Redskins at home. By the way, Chuck Pagano, not a CB, but the P is almost a B. You know what I mean? It's It's, an upside-down B, really. Well, upside down, lowercase b. That's a great point. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's yeah. he's in that 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 family. Yep. Uh, Detroit Lions travel to Cincinnati Bengals. I'll take the Lions. The Bengals are one of the worst teams in the league over the last month. That they are awful. Despite nearly beating the Steelers, um, since then they've just been awful. I'm going to take the Lions, but this is the game I hope more than anything I'm so wrong about because. The, the Cowboys need a Lions loss, and look, it is a rough situation, why, to be counting on Andy Dalton and Brett Hundley. Um, so it is, uh, it is rough. I for you, man. I, but it's a weird predicament you guys are in. AJ, look, an A, a capital A, kind of looks like a capital R. Um, bro, let's do it. Let's get it done, AJ. <laughs> Uh, Los Angeles Chargers at the New York Jets. Uh, Bryce Petty wasn't as awful as I really expected him to be last week. 
um, against uh, the Saints, but it felt like the Saints kind of knew that they were going to win that game, and I don't know, that kind of was weird. They, they were in a weird... The Saints were weird last week. They, were, they knew it was an easy matchup. I think they were just going through the motions and trying to get through that game relatively unscathed. I know you can't get complacent in the NFL, but Bryce Petty doesn't really strike fear into to anyone. I think the Chargers' pass rush should devour Bryce Petty, and uh, I'll take the Chargers. I tell you what, why. Uh, you took the Browns, yeah. all right? And... Look, the Chargers did it. They collapsed. But it's not over yet. The Chargers yeah. still Thank have you. not reached rock bottom. That's what I'm saying. They can still make it. If they win out and the Titans lose out and the Bills lose a game, which they're playing in New England, there's a chance the Chargers make it. It's all awesome. Look, I just I don't think it's possible. I think this is... This is rock. Again, Los Angeles hasn't experienced rock bottom Chargers. San Diego's just sitting there saying, just wait, just wait. You think it's bad now? Just wait. They're about to go drop this game to the Jets. That's the Charger way. No. Look, I still think that the Chargers got really banged up in that game last week. I know they weren't great. And look, Rivers threw a few interceptions. But when you're down double digits with two minutes to go, of course you're going to keep throwing. You're going to throw, keep throwing and throwing. And the one on fourth down, like, he was better off throwing an interception than an incompletion that gave them better field position. So I'm not going to go down too hard on the Chargers for losing in Arrowhead. That's a tough place to win, um, you know, any time of the year, let alone with the, with a division on the line. Um, that's all I'll we'll say. We'll see. We'll that's see. That's all I'll say. I still believe. Josh, Josh still believe. Y, number one Chargers fan. I am. Give I like a, it. Give me a ticket. Give me a uh, season pass, Chargers. I've, I've been driving this bandwagon. I'm, I'm fatigued from doing this. Come on. Um, all right, You're the Washington. only one doing any work. I know. <laughs> Come on, help! You know, I've been shoveling coal in this in this bandwagon train for. for um, I'm getting tired. My guns are very sore. Um, Los Angeles Rams, Tennessee Titans. The best team in LA is the Rams. Um, I'm not. I'm not an idiot, but uh, the Titans they're awful. Um, but the Rams they they can still uh, is a is a buy still up for grabs. Uh, it is technically. I mean, if the Vikings were uh, were to lose, um, certainly. But I think this is, you know, the way the Chargers haven't hit rock bottom. Amazingly, the Titans haven't hit rock bottom either. And the process of them squandering their playoff spot has to be fully realized here. And I think the Rams go drop forty points on the Titans. Yeah, I, I think they do as well. I was just trying to work out whether the Rams have anything to really play for, or whether they're just sort of locked in. But um, the Saints being twelve and four, and uh, Panthers still being eleven and five. Um, you know they're still you know that third third seed, fourth seed. You, you still up for grabs. You you want to have a better seeding depending on who you want to play. I think if you if you are the Rams, you'd rather go in to play uh, Nick Foles than say uh, than uh, than the Vikings, right? For sure. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on to Dolphins at Chiefs. Chiefs back to back to. Being the better version of the Chiefs, they're still frauds, but so are Miami. Um, you knew Miami, after beating the Pats, would just completely the bed um, against uh, against the Bills. You just knew it was going to happen. It was the most Jay Cutler thing of all time. Um, Jay Cutler just Jay Cutlering after Jay Cutlering against the, the Pats. <laughs> That's true. This is the um, we beat New England and caused a week of doubting the Patriots bowl. You yes. know, uh, but uh, we're both Chiefs. still frauds. Right, exactly. Um, I, I, the Chiefs are less of frauds. Um, I think yes. they win. I think they make the playoffs. I yeah. think they win that division. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy as a as a fantasy owner of Kareem Hunt, who's looking to keep him next year. That uh, he's getting back back involved. Yeah, it's funny when you hand the ball to your explosive running back twenty times a game, th- things happen. I don't know why they ever went away from that. 
Um, so, yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers. Uh, this game, crucial for the Panthers to keep winning in a very tight um, NFC South race that they can still win this division. They play Tampa Bay and Atlanta. If, if Atlanta beat the Saints this week and, and Carolina win out, there's a chance that they uh, win the division. There is. And, you know, on my show on Ocho Live, I have petitioned, you know, the Cowboys uh, for four straight weeks now. Any Buccaneers victory would have helped them in their uh, their endeavors. And for four straight weeks, we have come up empty. Um, and so I have petitioned that they are no longer the Buccaneers until Tampa Bay wins a the game. They are the Suckaneers to me. Suckaneers. Um, I'm going to go a different and, route, but I'm glad you went the PG version. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a different way. I mean, it, you know, maybe uh, at one point in the night it's uh, a different variation, but mm. they are the Suckaneers. <laughs> and I am I am not. I've made a vow. I am not picking them again until yeah. they win a game. Yeah. If that's 2018, it's 2018. But yeah, they. That's, uh, that's fair. They're pretty big. And I'm embarrassed why. Um, you know, their stadium, its Twitter handle is at RJ Stadium. Do you know what it's like to be associated with this? It hurts. <laughs> By the way, you nailed it. Um, given the, You said the ESPN coverage would feature the boat, and it was the entire thing was on that boat. Um, mm-hmm. They were pushing inflatable um, playoff dolls off the plank into a, a blow-up pool. So. Very, uh, very easy to predict. Very high oh, production well. value after uh, John Skipper left the company. That's just, it's just gone all downhill from there. Um, so, <laughs> definitely the. How many times are you going to scream "What the buck" during, or during the yeah. game? So, so you know what it's like to be a Buccaneers fan for a month, and it's not pleasant, right? It is awful. Yeah. I mean, although I'm so impressed by their equipment staff and the ability to get that whole flag on that helmet, that is impressive. Impressive work. Hmm. Jacksonville Jaguars, San Francisco 49ers, um, the two best quarterbacks of the last three weeks going toe-to-toe here. Um, is that – that's not a hot take, is it? Uh, really, like, I think these two quarterbacks, like, Brady did play bad against the Dolphins, so you have to factor that in. But these two quarterbacks have been playing unreal the last three weeks. No, they're in fuego. Yeah. And – you know, once a Patriot, always a Patriot. The Patriot way, as they all love to say, Jimmy G going to do his old team a solid here, and he's going to beat the Jaguars. And he's going to further cement the Patriots uh, as uh, as everything special in the AFC. I really believe it's going to happen. Just quickly, if Brady hits the wall next year, and I know there's no signs of that happening, but we, what we've known is this cliff or this wall just appears out of nowhere. How much are they going to regret this Jimmy G trade? Because he looks They're not, because he... He's not going to hit a wall. He's not. You know that. I know, but just hypothetically, like if that does happen, they they are going to. We have to question them for trading Jimmy, right, for a second round pick. No, I would never question anything the Patriots do. Fair enough. They'll find a new Jimmy G. I've questioned a lot. I've questioned a lot of things that the Patriots have done. You know, illegal <laughs> use of cameras. You know, the inflated balls. <laughs> well, no. Uh, let's move on. The New York Giants, uh, Arizona Cardinals, another game that has zero impact. Um, on anything at all, um, even it's not even a great jersey matchup to be honest. Um, Blake, uh, Blake, sorry, Blaine, Blaine Gabbert, um, benched for Drew Stanton after uh, sucking ass for the last two weeks. Well, I tell you what, this is the Bruce Arians is a fraud game. This is where everybody kind of jumps on board. What I've been saying for quite some time. I think the Giants. I think Eli Manning. They go in. You think about this. All right. We talked about how it was ten years since the Jaguars in the playoffs. Ten years ago, they beat the Steelers uh, in the playoffs. Ten years ago, the New York Giants defeated the then undefeated New England Patriots in Super Bowl Forty Two. That took place at the house they visit this Sunday. It took place at University of Phoenix Stadium. And the same way I predicted that the boat would be involved in Tampa Bay. That is going to be said 
ad nauseum this Sunday that uh, Eli Manning, and I guarantee you at some point he's going to make, you know, dodge a little tackle. They're going to say, oh, that looks like the David Tyree play. Uh, Giants going to win this game. I believe in it. Um, I'm going to go a little bit shorter here, and I'm going to say I'm picking the Giants because I want them to leapfrog the Colts in uh, the draft order pick. So Giants win. That works too. Yep. Seattle Seahawks, Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is a game. We have a game. Um, if you think Todd Gurley embarrassed the Seahawks, imagine what lean Zeke Elliott's going to do. He's going to run for 250 against the Seahawks at home, um, motivated, in shape, looking very good, I must admit. Um, I mean, I went to Cabo once. I did not come back looking like that. I'll tell you that. Um, I'm taking the I, Cowboys. Uh, I'm taking the Cowboys. Well, I tell you what. All right. Now, there is a long connection with the Dallas Cowboys in Cabo. Jerry Jones was in Cabo when he saw the ad for the Cowboys being up for sale. Obviously, Tony Romo uh, 10 years ago. Also, that same year. Hey, 10 years ago. Really coming up strong today. Uh, you know, the Jessica Simpson fiasco and all that noise. But the Seahawks, the Seahawks have an interesting sort of connection with the Cowboys. It's, there's there's an exorcism that's involved with them. When you really think about it, 2006 wildcard round, the Romo bobble. 2014, that was the Cowboys statement win of that year when they went up to Seattle. I mean, at that point, nobody was going up there and putting 40 points, nope. um, you know, on, on the Seahawks. And so that was a big deal. I mean, it was the preseason game in Seattle where Zeke was first debuted as a Cowboy, you know, wasn't shy up against Cam Chancellor, the game Tony Romo got hurt. There's something about them, and Zeke is going to exercise it all uh, on Sunday. I, I think 250 is shy. I think Zeke could break the single-game rushing record in this wow. game. Wow, bold prediction. Saucy. I like it. Yep. Oh, hot, hot, Very hot. All right, Steelers, Texans. Now Antonio Brown, it won't matter. Steelers will beat the Texans. Um, um, although TJ Yates has this weird knack of beating uh, good AFC teams when they're, when they're actually good. He's beaten... The Bengals a few times. I'm not sure if he's beaten the Steelers, but I mean he was competitive against them. Um, but, yeah, I'll take the Steelers. Yeah, me too. I mean, um, I like that it's in Houston. I feel like that stadium is really beautiful. Um, but, um, you know, not not enough for the Texans, sorry. Yep, didn't mention this at the top of the show in our favorite moments of Week 15, but Ryan Shazy being at Heinz Field, um, that was just um, a special, special moment. Uh, Agreed. Oakland Raiders, Philadelphia. Why do they keep putting Oakland in primetime? My eyes. I don't want to keep watching this team. It, it is driving me mental. Um, at Philly, I'll take the I'll take the Eagles. Although they did look very vulnerable on defense to the Giants. Although the Giants, I think people are just underestimating them because they're so banged up and Eli got benched and they're a joke of a year. But I, I feel like Eli, the last two weeks since he's been benched, has been quite good. I agree with everything, especially the primetime thing. And you think about it, the NFL does that with every team. We got the Dolphins, what was it, three weeks in a row. Um, no offense, but we have to watch the Colts oh, two weeks in a row. I mean, it, they 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 don't stagger this. I mean, it's just, you know, oversaturation of one team after one team after one team for three weeks to four weeks at a time. Um, the Raiders are the latest example. Uh, I think this is a good Nick Foles game. I feel good, you know, and I, I like Monday night games in Philadelphia. I think John Gruden does well uh, in that city. Yep. John Gruden yesterday with his uh, induction, um, it's hard not to love Gruden. Um, he was rocking the blazer and the visor combo. Strange, strange combo, but um, his passion for football and his energy is so unique. It's he's a special guy. Um, that was that was a cool moment yesterday. Very much so. Yep. All right, man. Well, that wraps up um, our week sixteen picks, and that wraps up the show. Um, thanks for joining me again, RJ. And please let all the listeners know where they can find your work. Um, please uh, 
advertise yourself? Uh, you can uh, hit me up on the Twitter machine. I am at RJ Ochoa, and it is there and on Periscope that you can watch Ocho Live. You can also watch it on the Blog of the Boys Facebook live feed. Uh, you can also stay caught up with Ocho Live if you like it on Facebook. Uh, you can read me at blogoftheboys.com or uh, at ESPNSA.com. And again, my Twitter and the Ocho Live Facebook sort of serve as an aggregator of all those things if you just want everything funneled uh, into you one by one. And occasionally, uh, this particular month, uh, you can find me on uh the uh ocho and why show i yep. think i like it and, and you know you think about it ow is how our initials would go i like it ow where are you getting out right? from where you... ochoa why okay i gotcha oh yeah i see it i'm seeing it i like it um we'll work on that's it. right um I, I appreciate you uh filling in for the last uh, few weeks um we may need you again next week but uh we'll uh we'll be in touch and um i'll plug uh, uh, rj's twitter handle all over our uh social media i can't thank you enough and uh we'll be back next week to talk all of the drama from uh, week 16 as we look ahead towards the playoffs peace out thanks for listening to another installment of the wooten y show check out previous episodes at wootenwhy.com and on itunes and follow each of the boys on Twitter at This Is Woot and at JYNFL. Or you can follow the podcast at Woot and Y.